tyranny was broken by the sins of the father, and his shepherds finally ceased to roam, seeking instead the simple peace found in the comfort of heart and home. All eyes now turn to his heir and son, who forged their home with his power. Will he be strong enough to lead them in this, their darkest hour? Hello and welcome back to The Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. If you're enjoying this podcast, please like and follow to keep me bringing the story to you. Thank you very much for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 41 the castle was cold, and the feeling of despair was everywhere as I joined Jules Lucero in the main hallway. The air smelled of spent gunpowder. Where was my wife? Where was my son? I moved, my sword drawn through the hall. Sarah and Jules moved along beside me. I was twenty feet in before I realized that there was something very wrong at the heart of things. I had been unconsciously reaching out for the hearth expecting it to be there to start renewing my power since I arrived, but I couldn't feel any return. There was only cold. I I can't draw any power. Jules turned to me. I tried, but, but it's like it's not there. How can that be? Perhaps you've become too weak, Sarah said. Too long disconnected from your power. We should take you to the source. I need to find Casey and Flynn, Sarah. And how will you help them? You need your power, Mick. He's right, Jules said. If what we're feeling is what I think it is, you're going to need to burn a few rates. You can't do that right now. Shh! Sarah knelt down on one knee, head tilted to one side, listening. He moved slowly up to a door along the hall and stopped. It was the door to Da's room. It was too dark to see clearly, but I could make out a form lying in the hall. Sarah stood over it. My knees nearly went up from under me, but I swallowed my fear and moved up close. Dead? My father smiled up to me from the cold stone floor of the hall. The side of his face was caked with blood. He was holding his hands to his chest where blood was welling out. His breathing came out in a wet rattle. I'd heard that too many times. I gently moved his hands aside. His chest was caved in. The skin was broken in places and there was a horrible dent just under his breastbone. I put my hands to the wound. I tried to stem the tide. Who did this to you? I've been waiting for you. I needed to say goodbye. Da. That's right. I'm here to die, ain't I? You are. You are. Where's Casey and Flinda? Where? Don't let him get away with it, Mickey. Don't let him. Dad died then. I held his hand as long as I could until I felt him go. I let go of his hand and sat back for a moment. As I tried to steady myself and quell the sorrow rising in my heart, a gentle glow spread out from the great hall. I turned and could feel the despair easing from my heart. I rose to my feet. I felt Sarah try to grab my hand, but I moved away from him. I moved towards that light. 
It was so beautiful and bright, not cold and white and heartless. I began to run, smiling. There could be an end to this. No more horror, no more darkness, no more enemies. I tried to reach the doors, and then I turned to behold the source of the light. A man with a long white beard dressed in a robe of golden cloth sat upon an ivory throne. Smiling golden lions rested under each of his hands, lying down in supplication. Beside him, a beautiful dark-haired woman in shining silver robes opened her hands to me in welcome, her skin like alabaster, her smile glorious and inviting. I stumbled forward, feeling my heart glow lighter with every step. I heard a voice scream my name. I focused on the eyes of the man, a promise of peace that urged me onward. Remember, Mick. The voice roared through my head, shattering the peace, and I staggered back from the scene before me. Casey and Flynn floated in the air, wrapped in pulsing golden energy. The young man with short, sandy hair and a goatee, dressed in heavy armor with the cursed motif of the lion, stood in the ruins of the great table that once dominated the hall. He bore a terrible, heavy spiked base in both hands and he had a playful, almost cheerful look on his face. Beside him, dressed in a dark cloak, was Penny, the Dark Lady, her body drifting with shadows, her eyes dancing with the white light. I raised my sword. Father shook his head, as if disappointed. You let them go, and I'll give you whatever you want. You have nothing I want, son. Nothing that I don't already possess. I looked at Casey's eyes and Flynn's. Both were full of fear. My heart felt like it was on fire. I should have known that you weren't dead. Nothing as awful as you ever really goes away, does it? You should be more respectful, especially in front of the family. Isn't that right, Casey? Father glowered up at her. She gritted her teeth and smiled at me. Your father's kind of an asshole, Mick. You have no idea. He stepped towards me, his footsteps heavy with menace, his mace raised to strike. Shut up, boy. Sarah and Jules stepped up beside me. Sarah raised his blade and I could hear Jules' knuckles crack. Oh, it's not going to be that easy, Father. You think I'm afraid of your little menagerie of two-time losers? I made all of you and I can unmake you just as easy. If that was true, you'd have done so already. So why haven't you? All in good time. You should be grateful, Mick. Who do you think told Apostos to get her and you together, to put her in the line of fire so you'd go after her? You see, I knew that you were something special after I put you in your mother. The darkness and light twisting away, fighting with each other, but in perfect harmony in the conflict. Then I discovered more and more of you as you all emerged. Casey's being sang in almost the same way as you, so I made my plans, worked out what it would take to put you two in the same boat, as it were. I knew something good would come of it. Your son is quite a wonder. You have no right to him! Father shrugged. He's more powerful than any of you. He will serve me well in the days ahead. I will have to examine him first, of course, so I can make many more. Flynn will lead my legion of warriors against the rest of this universe. Someday, when I tire of this existence, he will even take my place. What more can you ask of old grandfather, yes? He looked up at Flynn and winked. He had only one grandfather, and you murdered him! Father turned and stalked towards me. I am the only one who has done anything for you, Mick. 
Postos knew who the heir apparent was. The truth is that he wouldn't have let anyone else take your place. It's sad that you can't see the gifts I've given you for what they are. He turned away from me, but I grabbed his shoulder and spun him around. He was so surprised that he merely took a step back instead of swinging at me. You've never given anyone anything that wasn't in your best interests. The truth is that you're back in power and you're allied with the freaking wraiths. That's right. They are in the middle of a war with the people of Teloth and they needed numbers and power to try and win it. I made them an offer and they got me back here. A fair price, all things considered. Penny, the dark lady, stepped up to join him. Her eyes were burning a white. She looked at me and I could feel the cold tickling up my brain. Why are we wasting our time with this misbegotten child, Father? Let us take what we came here for. I glanced up at Casey and Flynn. They're not going anywhere with the likes of you two. Penny grinned. The cold menace touched all of us and I could feel Jules and Sarah tense up. Five worlds are currently under attack and will fall under our control soon. Once it's over, we will have enough power to assault Tela, and the sphere will be ours once again. Renegades, we drove you out, Sarah cried. And Manon led us back in. Our mother has given us the strength and form to fight, and our father has given us the power to do it. You can't just hand them over to her. Already done, son. The worlds that you and your friends originated from will soon be unrecognizable. That's my final salute to your little band of usurpers. Avalon, Kuma, Anthem, Ashia, and Trelane. We will not let that happen, Sarah said. We will fight you. Oh, we'll see about that. Hey, Penny, Jules said. What do you want? Jules leaned in, smiling, close enough to kiss her. We killed your Jack, bitch. Penny looked back at her. Her lips turned up and looked disgust. You lie. You know me, Penny. Look at my face. Am I lying? The look of disgust and contempt faded, and the realization dawned in her eyes. She began to shake, and her face twisted into a snarl. You will all die! She shouted, her aura of cold reaching out to pierce us. She surged at us, a pair of blades drawn from within her robes. Enough of this! Father shouted. Penny was lifted bodily in the air and held. She struggled, but one look from Father as she put her blades away. Once she was calm, he set her down beside him. They must pay for this. They killed my love and a man bound in service to you, your pupil. They will pay, dear Penny. I will add the loss of Jack to the rest. But perhaps you should come to it last, eh, grandson? I'll never serve you, Flynn said, straining at the power that held him. He had aged even more since I last saw him. A man, now. I wish we had more time. Yes, you will. Otherwise, both your father and mother will be destroyed. Then I'll just take you apart, knowing that you won't help me after that. And just make the best of it. You have a choice, Flynn. Obliteration is one of those choices. The other way, one of them lives, albeit as a hostage to ensure your cooperation. And the other goes the way of, well, all things. Your choice, even though I know exactly who you'll choose. I looked at Casey. She smiled and shook her head. I smiled back at her, knowing that Flynn was the best thing that either of us would ever achieve. I also knew that we would do anything to protect him. I looked over at Flynn and nodded. Father turned to Casey and smiled. She was gagged instantly and thrown up against the wall. 
She looked to me, and I saw that she was okay. I braced myself for what I knew would come next. I am so proud of you, Flynn, and the person you're becoming. You are the best of us, and the best thing we've ever been a part of. Dad? I... Flynn looked away from me. I could see the indecision in his eyes, and I could feel his frustration at not being able to fight back. He was new to his power. He wanted to lash out at Father, destroy him with the power that was granted to him by his birthright. Even if Father managed to convince him to cooperate with his plan, I seriously doubted that Flynn would ever get over the desire for revenge. I prayed it wouldn't get him killed. This has always been you and I, I told Father. Let's clear the room. Father looked at me, then at Casey and Flynn. Very well. No tricks, Mick, or... You'll kill me? He smiled and turned to Penny. Leave us. She frowned, then vanished in a shroud of darkness. Father snapped his fingers and both Casey and Flynn disappeared. He looked back at me, sensing my questions. Casey is in a place that I have reserved for troublemakers. Your son is in the place I have rebuilt. He won't learn what it means to serve someone who understands true power. I ignored his barb. I took the arms of my friends a step back, keeping my eyes on Father. Both of you need to get away from here before it's too late. Jules glowered at Father, and she pulled her arm away from me. This can't be the end, Mick. I can't believe you're just giving up like this. I'm sorry, to both of you. But I need to get you to safety. Get away from here now and don't look back. Please. Sarah nodded and took Jules' hand. I thought she was going to protest, but she wiped something away from her cheek and followed Sarah down the hallway. I watched them go, stealing myself for what was going to come next. I never thought it would all end like this. We tried so hard to make the worlds better, and the whole time we were just waiting for the hammer to fall, whether we knew it or not. And I led them here. I made the grab for power, and I let it lead me. I pulled my friends and my family through this hell, and that's why I was damned for all time. I knew this, and I accepted it. I had lost enough today, and it was time to cut my losses. There was nothing left to do but play my role. I turned around and faced Father. You know, the worst thing about all of this is that I've come to understand how like you I really am. I feel like calling you a bastard, which I usually would. It just doesn't give me the same satisfaction it once did. Finally figured it out, did you? He said, stepping over the remains of the table. Don't be so smug. I like power, but so do you. What I have done sits in the shadow of all the shitty things that you've done in pursuit of your plans. What do you know about it, you fucking child? What do you know of waiting centuries for just the right combination of genes and potential? Nothing. You aren't even middle-aged for a normal human man, man. All that you know is what I've opened the door so that you can see. I've seen enough. I know more than you could ever imagine. What do you know? What do you think you know, Mick? There was no going back now. The voice that broke me from Father's influence before was speaking in me now. I know you, John Solomon. Father stepped back from me. All the things I learned when I touched Sarah's hand twisted in my gut. It came swirling up in my head like a whirlwind. The words I spoke were not my own. You were just a child when you learned what you were. The apex of humanity, born to be the best, expanded the horizons of your fellow humans. In you there was a single chance for all of them to become something more. But that was not to be thanks to you. 
Instead of leaving them and showing them what kind of world the Earth could be, you used your powers to dominate them and twist them until they became the exact image of perfection that you imagined your flawed mind. Stop this, Mick. Nothing you say will forestall your fate. The fruit of the poison tree rots on the vine. Your perfect people broke apart. You watched them suffer and die trying to remake them over and over again. Frustrated because they could never be like, and you rebuilt it all. Burning the earth for energy, rendering it into a dark chaotic thing where life could never reign again. You made new worlds, you played the long game, adjusting them here and there to make the new people. Hundreds of years and all that time, earth seethed and burned, all because some misguided monster thought he could take apart perfection. Father lashed out with power, a golden blast of energy that arced from his hand and exploded against my chest. There was the sound of something sizzling. Tears ran down my face, but I couldn't feel anything anymore. We know you, John Solomon. We know you well! There was another blast, and ashes drifted down all around me. The ashes were me, too, but I was still on my feet. I was laughing and pointing at him. I pulled up my sword and drove it tip-first into the floor. The blade shook, and the sound reverberated around the room. I felt like screaming as I watched my blackened, bony hand let go of the hilt. But I smiled instead the flesh falling from my face. Someday, you will find all your plans will finally have fallen apart. And every moment that you keep existing will be just as tedious and intolerable as all the long years waited for the next miracle to come. But it never will. And when you realize that, I will see you again, Father. Father swung his mace, and hearthblade shattered and scattered into pieces across the floor. He tossed his brutal weapon aside and grabbed my head on both sides. He leaned in close and his golden eyes met mine. Energy spilled from them like liquid lightning. They reached out to tear me apart. Rest easy, son. Thank you all for joining me on this journey. This story has not been an easy one to tell, for there is much of me in it, and some of that is very dark. Mick is my hero, for better or worse. And although he may have fallen, I have a feeling that someday he may rise again. I have been writing the next story for many years, and I hope that I will be done soon so that we can continue on this journey again. For now, I will leave you with this. The Beginning The tall, wide-leafed and ochre-colored palms of the dense groves swayed in the winds as the rains washed across the valley. Sheets of moisture washed through the stifling wet air to the sandy earth below. Dark clouds stretched like slender fingers in the midday sky, drawing shadows to the groves like hungry animals that crept along the trees in search of the next meal. Upon a path of the trees, Casey ran for her very life. Three forms, barely noticeable as they passed through the trees behind her, pursued her. Their progress swift and nimble. The creatures bore axes of black stone and short spears. The holsters at Casey's hips were empty, and she held no weapons in her hands. Curse you, father! Damn you! Her boots were light enough that running in them was quite easy, but the sandy soil of the forest was slowing her down. Her eyes kept glancing about for anything she could use against her pursuers. The path descended ahead, down into a darker, denser part of the forest. She had no choice but to enter, for those behind her were hot on her heels. 
Shapes of many sizes moved in the shadow, getting out of her way as she charged along. You take my freedom! You take my son! She leapt over a river of muddy water that ran across the path, landing on the other side. She stumbled, the heel of her left boot slipping along the hidden edge of a slippery root. She fell forward, catching herself on her hands. You took! You took! She sobbed and pounded the muddy ground with her fist. Her heart ached and she screamed out in sorrow. Her cry sounded very small. Behind her a few paces there were splashes along the path. She didn't need to look to know what it was, and she scrambled to her feet again, clawing with her muddy hands to speed her away from the creatures that were after her. They were not men, but they had arms and legs that walked upright for the most part. They were heavily scaled, grey in colour, and their faces ended in a short snout. Their eyes were green and a second membrane plunked back and forth across the orbs. Their hands had only three digits, but could grasp a simple tool like the axes and spears they carried. When Casey had found herself abruptly in the forest without any weapons or companions, distraught and disoriented, they had come for her. You have no idea who you're trying to kill, she cried. No idea! A spear whistled through the air and sank into the soft, sandy soil off to her left. She tried to grab it, but a sideways glance backwards showed the creatures gaining on her. Instead, she snatched up a fist-sized stone and kept on her way. She pushed herself even harder, trying to put some distance between herself and them. After a moment or so, the path became lighter and swung widely to the left. She ran around it with as much as was left to her, and was barely able to catch her breath as she came to an abrupt stop. The path ended on a wide, high cliff laden with the trunks of trees that had fallen. She looked around quickly, trying to see seeing no other exit but from where she came. Beyond the fallen trees there was a great ravine that seemed to go on for miles in a starlight formation whose depths were unfathomable and shrouded in mist. Casey closed her eyes and bowed her head. I love you, but I'm done. She turned around, the stone she snatched up held tightly in her hand. When she opened her eyes again, they were not the eyes of a mother or a wife. Energy coursed through them and they glowed with menace, with a warning. The three who pursued her stopped in their tracks and glanced at each other as if for reassurance. They dropped their spears and raised their axes and stepped forward. I will break your skulls! A spear, much larger and with a broad spade-like head, landed in between them and Casey. The creatures hissed and dropped into a crouch. It was wrapped in well-worn leather straps and it was dyed in deep red. Casey smiled and seized the opportunity. She threw the rock in her hand at the head of the closest creature. The rock smashed it on the snout and it leapt back, swiping its axe in the air in front of it. Casey ran forward and took up the spear. It was surprisingly light as she pulled it from the ground. She took it in both hands and swung it around like a sword. One creature flailed back from the sudden onslaught, but the other was nearly beheaded by the blade of the spear. His neck opened widely back to the spine. Casey brought the spear back and slipped her hands along the shaft to bring it up in defense. A moment later, the axe of the creature she missed came down on the shaft barely gouging the leather protecting. She swung the spear, trying to dislodge the axe. The axe flew away, but the claws of the creature greedily sought her throat. She pushed it back, nearly losing her footing. Gritting her teeth, she strove the spear through the belly of the creature and threw its writhing body to the right of her. It hissed and gurgled, trying to dislodge the spear from its gut. Casey walked past it and scooped up its fallen weapon. She walked directly towards the last creature, who was still able to see straight. Casey snatched its axe from his flailing hands and swung both weapons around at her grip. No idea. She brought both axes downward, taking the arms of the creature from its shoulders. It fell and she buried one axe deeply in its skull. As she rose from the axe, a sound from behind her caught her attention. She lifted the remaining axe to her shoulder. Thanks for the loan, though I didn't really need it. 
that is obvious to us now. The ghostly silver form of a young man rose from between the fallen trees. He had his hands open. His feet touched the ground and it became solid. He was dark-skinned and wore a crimson cloak over light breeches and leather sandals. His eyes were gold, and he seemed to have a slight smile on his lips as he looked at her. He turned his head towards two others who came up from between the trees. Another man, his skin very pale, his shoulders strangely bulky under a ragged black cloak, climbed up onto a log, carrying a jagged-looking heavy sword in both hands. Beside him, a woman with a blonde ponytail and heavily tanned skin rose up on strong legs and stepped over the log onto the earth in front of Casey. Her skin had a curious green sheen to it, but most of it was covered by red leather armor. She pulled the spear from the corpse of the creature and spun it around in a lazy crescent, passing it directly in front of Casey's eyes. Casey didn't move. The woman grunted and put the butt of her spear to the ground. It's good to see that you know how to fight, the young man said. Who are you? She put her hand out to him. He stepped forward and took it in his. Casey, I am Aegir. The man with the sword is Tyrus, and the lady whose spear you borrowed is called Chella. Chella and Tyrus nodded at her in turn as they were introduced. Tyrus put the tip of his sword against the log that stood upon Chella sat down, laying her spear across her knees. Now, would any of you mind telling me where I ended up? Aegir crossed his arms. Welcome to Acheron, Casey. Welcome to hell. The gentle light from the stream dazzles my eyes as I watch Casey bathe our son. He is barely a year old as of this moment. My death is four years away now, as far from my mind of the me that is actually here as I am from one breath. I imagine that I can feel the light breeze that tickles the branches of the trees that hang over the clearing down by the stream, our favorite spot. Of the many things I miss, this is one of the most poignant for me, the one that touches me deeply wherever what's left to be touched. Every second since I've been gone has been like this. Flynn laughs in Casey's arms as she dips him into the water up to his knees, then pulls him back up again. The water is always warm here. It must be delightful. It was, anyway. I am here, too, not far from where I watch right now. I can see me sitting under a tree smoking a pipe watching my family as we share in one of the happiest moments I had ever known. This, this is a good one. A few moments from now, I'll have the privilege of taking our son on my shoulders for the trip back home, letting him laugh in the afternoon sun as my heart fills with pride. Thanks for letting me see this again. I feel the sense of something behind me. It is nothing and everything. Some of what was, the emptiness of what is. These memories are beautiful. You live well. Better than many. Longer than most. Would you blame me if I wished for a moment more? Most who lived as you did would do the same. In that sense, you are very human, Nick. Thank you. Are you ready? I watch myself rise from where I am sitting underneath the tree and go over to the stream. I smile at Flynn and take him and his mother in my arms. I try my best to capture every detail as best as I can, to etch them onto what is left so that maybe something doesn't disappear. Maybe something remains immortal and precious. But I'm not afraid of what's to come. I will go with you as long as my conditions will be met. If you can't do that, then I'm staying right here, forever if need be. We will do 
as we are great. I suppose to your greater, I do not dissemble. Then let's begin. I'm ready. Very well. Before I close my eyes, I see Flynn go into my shoulders as the light retreats. The darkness washes over me, but I can still hear him laughing as it swallows me whole.